Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Neonothotep with a special spotlight episode. And so, at the top of the show, as we always like to do, we'd like to thank our listeners, our Patreon supporters. Without you, the show would be much, much less interesting. And interesting is the name of the game tonight. And that's because we're welcoming back an old friend of the table. And so, for this investigator spotlight, I will ask them to introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. My name is Heather Ashcraft, and you may remember me as the absolutely fabulous Stasi. Absolutely. <laughs> so welcome back. Uh, we have some, as I said, interesting things to get to. But before we do, I'd like to sort of encapsulate a little bit for our audience and for Stasi to sort of read into our record some things that have sort of gone on since we last saw her, at least a little bit. It has been a while. It has been a while, especially by calendar. And so when we last saw her, she was still in Chicago with the group. She was figuring out some rather difficult domestic uh, situations, um, which she has managed in some way to extricate herself from. She has since that time moved west and in moving west you met someone very interesting you met a a rather mysterious man a man by the name of dr charles pierce Mm. and dr pierce had a job offer for you didn't he did he actually had a an interesting proposition which of course would always intrigue stasi (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so that proposition ended up becoming something more. Something Stasi felt she could pour herself into. Perhaps remake herself into what became a lifestyle. And that is the investigation and hunting of rare antiquities. Specific to strange and unusual places. As she is herself strange and unusual. That's correct. And so our journalist, our one-time journalist, has reshaped herself with the assistance of the division to something even stranger. And she has been spending the better part of the past several months in Shanghai on orders from Pierce and the division, which is the organization that he has uh, introduced you to. And while this organization has many agents around the world and it's in many places, the thing that Pierce stresses to you through your training and sort of rebirth as an agent for the division is 
that there are all sorts of things, threats, entities, whether they be political or external, that the division is trying to keep its eye on. And so he has sent you to Shanghai to look into two different parties. One is a gentleman you'd not heard of before, and he is a man named Carl Sanford. Now, Mr. Sanford is known to the division to be a, as they put it, a wizard, which seems a little fanciful for you, at least in the explanation. But after a few case files come your way, you come to understand that Carl Sanford is not the sort of doting old collector who seeks out antiques across the world, but he is someone who is much like Dr. Pierce, except that he seems to be some sort of rogue version. He's out for occult power wherever he can find it. And the division is trying to locate him in Shanghai because they're concerned he might be making some rather important purchases here. I'm sure word has probably filtered back to the division of certain inquiries uh, into certain maybe lesser traveled markets for those. Absolutely. The biggest problem that you've run into so far with researching Sanford is he seems to be a ghost in the sense that getting a finger on where he might be staying at in Shanghai has been very difficult for you. Your usual method of going to information traders or going to local bars or even libraries to... Listen in, subtly, as you are so good at doing now, has unfortunately turned up nothing. And it's become clear to you through the communiques from the division that Dr. Pierce is fervently needing some sort of update because he is... It seems anyway, your impression is. He seems very concerned that something is imminent in Shanghai. No hints on what this might be? Or do I get the impression that maybe they really don't know what's coming? I think that that's probably where you land at, is that there is this sort of nebulous concern, right? It's a concern, but it's something that is in the ether, as if they've been tipped off that something's going to happen, but they don't have the other piece of the information. So that's what they're trying to get out of you, at least in your method of investigations. We need to find out where he is or what what would be the priority? Finding the man or finding out what he's going after? I think probably finding out what he's going after. Uh, The division would be against a direct conflict with Sanford. There would be concern from Pierce that Sanford is a fairly powerful, rumored powerful person. And he doesn't really explain in what way. But it's clear that they want to track down what Sanford is after here. 
And there are several uh, markets and several collectors here in Shanghai that do sort of surround themselves with those sorts of things. And you've gotten a lead on one. A lead would help. So the lead that you've gotten is on a woman and her name is Lynn. You know a few things about her. She's a madam, first and foremost. She is roughly in her 60s. She is someone who is powerful in the underworld of Shanghai, at least to a point. You know that she has a vast art collection. And you'd know that her parties, her dinners, are something quite exquisite. She's even rumored to have exotic animals at her house. Where did I pick up the lead from? So this would have been probably one of the frequent, we'll say, museum or library stops that you've had to make here. Um, given your time spent in Shanghai, not only learning Cantonese, but also getting ingrained into the culture here, mm-hmm. you spent an awful lot of time just getting to know the people so that way you can walk and act like they do. You're no longer an American here. You're probably viewed culturally more clo- closer to what how a local is viewed. And that sort of flexibility offers you an awful lot of inns at tea houses or noodle shops that others just wouldn't get. So first, I once I have her name and the information, I think my first step would be to find any place that she may frequent, find out who supplies her with the art, where does she go to find her art? Because obviously it's a, it's something important to her, both in probably monetary value as well as some appreciation for it if she keeps that much. And if she deals in it, she knows very well what, what to look for. I would start there. You probably unearth in the first week or so of your searching. You unearth that she has at least three warehouses in position around what they call the international settlement. So one of the important parts to understand about Shanghai is that the international settlement is where is is sort of the major downtown portion of Shanghai. There's the old city, which is further south. And there's this international settlement area where most of that business happens at. Because at its its core, what this is really about is trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've had a chance while you were here to know where the French consulate is, to know where the American consulate, you know all those places already. And most of her business takes place in the old city. The real question is, I guess, for, for you... After that is, which warehouse would you pick? So there's there's one on the more northern side of the old city. There's one that's directly next to uh, the river. And then there's one that's closer towards, say, the um, outskirts of the old city. This would be on the western portion of it. 
I would probably pick the one closest to the old city where she does most of her business. Okay. I think she would want to keep the pieces that she prizes closer to her. Taking your time and staking that warehouse out, you come upon three fairly important facts, at least of the warehouse. One, it's guarded. Not just in its main opening, which is sort of this barn-style double door that opens and closes when deliveries come in. But the second story of this warehouse has guards that make rounds. And they're subtle. They make them on the interior side, so there's no parapet that they walk around or anything. But you you see through through your sort of careful study of this building that internally there must be some internal walkway because you you can watch men walk the inside of this. Uh, and the second portion of it is it keeps normal business hours. So there's nothing amiss from the external portion. It's not like it works all night or is up super early in the morning for no reason. It keeps regular business hours, just like everything else around here. And you feel that sort of blend when it comes to this. So the the owner is taking direct sort of conscious let's blend in and you know that rhythm because that's you right and the third point is and likely one of the more important points is that all of the delivery people who drop off things are all women they dress in very similar garb they all have these beautiful flower kimonos on black pink white and they all are the ones that sort of lead these wagons inside they don't do the actual driving but there is at least one of these women present on every single one that comes in after a few days gaining this information I would like to while I'm watching I will take a look is it a different woman every time? Is it the same women that come through over the course of, say, several days? Why do you make me a spot hidden roll? That's a two on the dice. Okay, so it's an extreme success. The answer is no. It's one of, each one has about, you, you count three variances between the women that come in. And it's very difficult to pick out. Because they all dress the same. They have the same hairstyle. But you get down to the facial features. Mm-hmm. And even those facial features are the same. But you notice varying differences between the way they carry themselves. And that's what gives it away. You would think that they were they were literally the same person. Without that sort of um, accuracy on spot hidden. But they're all different. And it's a different one every time. Oh, yeah. After f- figuring this noticing this I will see if I can trail one of them pick a day and see if I can trail one so after the I see them go in Mm. I see them come out I will see if I can keep her in my sights okay so 
that'd be stealth. You're going to trail them after they come out of the building with the empty wagon or what seems to be an empty wagon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and give me a stealth roll. That's a 13. Okay. And your stealth is? 85. Okay. So that's an extreme. (laughs) That's a a rather momentous return to game. Two extremes in a row. (laughs) So you follow this wagon. And it heads down east. Lower and lower into the streets until it gets to the banks of the river. And then it turns south, which is a little strange for you because that means it's going south, like out of the city. And you follow it for a good 10 minutes through the packed streets of Shanghai's old city. And eventually it gets to a series of slips. These tiny, tiny docks where some of these long boats have stopped at and you get to what you think is likely a good hiding spot nearby to watch what happens with the wagons and after a couple of minutes the wagon stops near one of these boats and this woman in the kimono gets out and she slowly begins ordering these men to unload what is in her wagon which are these low, sort of long, rectangular crates into this boat. I'm going to take a guess that those may or probably not be art (laughs) or artifacts. It's possible. You'd have to get a much closer look at them. How much cover would I have if I was to try and get closer? Would there be, are there places that I could obtain cover? So you could certainly obtain cover from... Um, the, the people walking up down the street, you can sort of filter your way through. So that way you could keep a couple of people between you and them as you moved closer to this slip. Once you get there, you'd have the cover of the wagon. You'd have the cover of larger crates nearby. But to get down into the boat itself, you'd have to be very crafty. Okay. Let us stroll then, shall we say, and uh, keep within the flow of traffic, human traffic. And I will, for now, just walk by, you know, fly casual as as I walk past and try to not be too, seem too out of place for staring. You walk by and get a fairly good look at the back of that wagon as it sits against sort of its it's, it's land docked here and as people, as men begin moving or continuing to move these, these crates out. And the crates themselves seem fairly heavy. They seem probably on the 20 to 25 kilogram weight scale. So if it's if it is art, then it either has a ton of packaging material in it or it's something metallic to sort of carry all that weight. Um, But you see the girl in the kimono again, too. And she is down at the end of the slip talking to likely somebody who runs the boat, whether it's the the captain of the boat or, or whomever it is. Along the route nearby, are there any 
tea stands, uh, noodle carts, something, some some place that I could inobtrusively stop, you know, not look like I'm just standing there staring. <laughs> yeah, you could probably, uh, there's, I would say there's probably a reasonable chance that there's going to be, given the dock, the dock slips here, there's probably a reasonable chance that there's going to be a, a noodle stand, if nothing else. Everyone has to eat, even the uh, dock workers especially, and so you could probably slip in near there and find something to eat or to appear as if you are eating. I think uh, noodles sound delicious this mm. time of day. Wonderful. You step in and the uh, noodle cook looks at you and mutters something in Cantonese. Uh, it's likely that he just wants to know what you want to eat. I will indicate a noodle dish that seems to be popular with the my local area. Some Something kind of old-fashioned. Very traditional. And he nods with a simple grunt and begins cooking your meal. And you're standing there and there's a few other of these dock workers around. You can hear them talking about uh, just, you know, the flow of traffic in the water. Um, import, export people. They bitch a lot about the French. Uh, mostly because they feel like the French are a little overbearing. Um they also, you get a lot, you get a lot of talk about how, sort of how the other countries are viewed. And this is all coloring and, and this is all opinion that you've been somewhat familiar with already. There are a whole lot of um, other countries that the locals here in Shanghai just feel like are interlopers. They're just here to sort of find a way to pick whatever bones they can to get a hold of more of uh, Shanghai. I will position myself once I receive my noodle dish and while I'm waiting towards the front of the kind of inobtrusively waiting, just kind of gazing out over the beautiful water and watching the dock workers, particularly along one particular slip. Sure. So you watch them for probably a good 10 minutes. It takes a few minutes to get the noodles to you, but you have uh, time to sit and take in the ambiance, as it were. <laughs> they move a total of six crates. Um, plus, it looks like a couple of bagged items. And the girl in the kimono has her conversation with that man at the end of the slip. And then after that, she turns heel fairly quickly and walks back to the wagon where she gets onto it and they back it out with horse and all and prepare to head back up towards where they came from. I note the time, time of day, the number mm -hmm. of crates, the number of bags, just making a mental note and we'll sit and finish enjoying my noodles and the direction that she took the cart. Okay. Yeah, they seem to be going, heading back up towards sort of the, the major, the more major portion of the docks in Shanghai. Uh, the, so they could be going literally anywhere. <laughs> uh, but you don't see them turn on the street that they had to turn off of to get down here. So they must be going somewhere maybe towards the more centralized portion of, of the shipping and receiving docks. Okay. All right. 
I will finish and enjoy my noodles and then I will I will not I'm not gonna hurry I will finish the noodles take some time are there what happens with the the slip that where they loaded everything onto uh, a few minutes maybe five ten at most after the wagon leaves the boat casts off and it turns south down the river making mental notes of that as well any markings were uh writing no on way. It? nothing nothing from here nothing from here or nothing at all nothing at all nothing you saw okay. there are no markings on that boat that's a, what you would call a locals boat this yeah. isn't a major transport vessel this is a wooden longboat total it could be confused for a junkers boat okay it it looks completely unobtrusive Okay. After finishing my noodles, and I'm sure there's probably they probably have a a container of something uh, to do drinks here. Why not? I will oh, yeah. buy a quick round and <laughs> say something. Well, that the French would probably find rather rude, and <laughs> to get a chair and head out. Um, I will head in the direction that the uh, the cart was taken. Mm-hmm. Gen- in that general direction. Sure. Uh, and see what I see. So when you get back up towards the French consulate, which is sort of on the... As you move back up north, you pass out of the old city and into the French concession here. You first come upon the French consulate, and then you come upon what is one of many clubs along the river here. So a lot of these clubs are, some of them are casinos. Some of them are what we would call more like dinner restaurants, mm-hmm. real jazz clubs, that sort of thing. Jazz is really big here. No wonder I'm enjoying it in Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the music, but it's the difference in tone of the singers here. It's very, it's a very sing-songy type of jazz. It's definitely something that you can get your feet into, that's for sure. And you've probably spent a couple of nights occasionally doing reconnaissance at these clubs, if nothing else, to catch some of the movers and shakers of of the political scene here, and also to sort of treat yourself with a a well-deserved night off. I'm sure I'm aware of a number of them, and perhaps more than a few opium houses and a few other other spots. uh popular with those who would come to Shanghai for purposes. You would absolutely be familiar with them. As you continue north, you get to a, a section of Shanghai called the Bun. So that is a major portion of the downtown trading area. So the Bun is a waterfront area and it's about a mile and a half long and it's this beautiful section of Shanghai where you see all sorts of just historical buildings uh, as you continue to travel up at this is where you start seeing more traditional automobiles and trucks as it mixes in and the bund is really on your right hand side where you start seeing slip after slip after slip for for 
fishing boats and junkers and all sorts of, you know, some some larger boats as well. Okay. So this is like the nerve center of business uh, as it continues to grow. Do I have any lead um, from either my time here or from anything I may have heard at a different location about where um, where uh, Lynn where her maybe her house <laughs> as it's as it is is mm-hmm. um, or where she may generally operate her uh, her business out of most of the leads that you have on Lynn talk about her having a house in the old city but they also you have also gotten a differing report that she has a residence outside Shanghai like in the hills mm-hmm. outside a very private residence yes uh, so to know more or to get more information on that you'd probably have to talk to just someone who would be steeped in that area and you could do that in a couple of different places um, one of the there's a couple of bars here that get frequented by not only locals but also get frequented by uh, Americans as well one of them is the stumbling tiger bar stumbling tiger so it might be a possibility for you to stop into the stumbling tiger and talk to either the bartender or the owner or some of the folks around there they might know a little bit more so it would be in the international settlement it's going to be up and around the bend as they would say mm-hmm. so as you continue to curve north you'd find stumbling tiger up and around the bend it's probably a 15 minute walk or you know a five minute car ride depending on how you want to get there mm. so i find i'll look for and kind of pinpoint where the bar is because if I actually don't know by now where it is, I will need to know by now where it is. Right. And then I'm going to head back to my flat because you don't just go walking into a bar after you've walked, taken a hike and eaten noodles. Right. You must prepare. So I will head back, make a couple of notes uh, for... Uh, for the division to send off let them know what I found okay send a message out and then I will prepare to properly go to the bar because it's too early you cannot (laughs) go into a bar this early well you can but it's so uncouth so I will go and prepare bathe and prepare and dress accordingly and do up the do pick a let's see what shall we go tonight want to be noticed so I think we'll pick a red for the wig mm-hmm. something intriguing yet you know that stands out but not glaringly so um, an appropriate jewelry pieces that will integrate very well into the local nightlife and uh well a couple of uh bits of liquid courage because it's always a good time to start the party before the party 
Okay, so before you leave, you're going to signal the division. So I guess tell me how you would prepare their message. Most of their communications come in coded. And so I would assume that you would send them out coded, roughly speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you send them out via mail or do you find a way to wire them a message through something like Western Union or some sort of cabling service? I I would think that cable would would have been, I mean, I'm pretty sure we would have probably had something established between myself and the division at this point. Um, my guess is probably by cable due, yeah. and during the time period. So I would probably word it. I would probably have it addressed. I'm sure we probably have a code yeah. name that I would send it to. So message would be something along the lines of have, having a wonderful time in Shanghai. Stop. Found new sites to see the water and wildlife is Fascinating. Stop. Boxes and I have boxes and bags to explore the the city. Stop. Time to tie one on as I stumble into the jungle. Stop. Hmm. Love to mom. Sure. Okay. So I guess if we're going to decode that, what is Stasi actually telling them? Basically, that I have done some snooping around down by the dockside, found some intrigue, you know, possible containers that need further exploration, you know, potentials for objects that need further investigation, and hopefully the stumbling in the jungle with the t- stumbling tiger bar would be okay. possibly sussed out if they they get the meaning. So. Yeah, that makes good sense to me. Okay. So traveling to the Stumbling Tiger Bar from your place takes, again, about probably 15 or 20 minutes or so, especially if you're trying to retain your, um, you know, your pleasant visage. You're not trying to run or... No, I wouldn't walk. I wouldn't go by foot. Time period. Rickshaws? Yeah, absolutely. So I would probably, I would probably take a rickshaw. Okay. Because... First of all, you wouldn't walk. You wouldn't want to walk these heels. And a car might look too ostentatious. So That's true. Um, So one of the things that you pass along your way are flower girls. So one of the things that you have sort of become accustomed to is how things are a little different here than they are back home. Um, Flower girls are very much sort of the courtesan type of of entertainment they are very prominent in Shanghai not all of them provide services that are adult Um, some of them are sometimes they're called sing song girls Mm -hmm. um, because you can get them for a night of entertainment which includes singing and tea service etc and then of course there are portions of them there are houses that cater to the the opposite side of that right Mm -hmm. that that is their purpose these are houses that are likely controlled by uh, what you've heard the local term is aunties, mm-hmm. you know, yes. um, so that they sort of run those houses, the day-to-day business and, and train them. It's difficult for you a little bit to, to deal with that because it is so upfront. 
you know, for you, this would be akin to like a brothel. Um, not that the stumbling tiger bar is one of those bars, but you pass these houses, these places on the way. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to, to not think of what kind of lives those girls are being forced to lead. There's a lot to be said for probably Stasi's own sort of uh, independent spirit that that chafes a little at at seeing that such an open part of and not, well not encouraged but just an open part of the society here, mm-hmm. especially coming with from the past that she has. Certainly, certainly, it is a reflection of that, at least a little bit. Hard not to feel that for uh, some of those girls. But the Stumbling Tiger Bar itself is just northeast of the confluence of the uh, Wangpu and the Suchow Rivers. Uh, it's a district, it sits in a district that's full of bars, gambling dens, the aforementioned flower girl houses. Uh, it's convenient to the docks and the American concession. So you know just getting into the area here, you're you're going to see more Americans because it's closer to where the American concession is. And the rickshaw driver is happy to drop you off at the bar. There's no issue there. He makes sure that you get out of the conveyance, <laughs> you know, with uh, with assistance and wishes you a safe night. I make sure he is paid and tipped properly. Mm. You do have to wonder, though, if there could have been a little nicer of a place for information. But the thing about Shanghai that you've already figured out is usually the best information is in a place where most people don't want to look for it. Right. And some people, when they want to let their hair down, do not want to be found or stand out. That's very true. You step into the the stumbling tiger. Now, this is a large sort of two-room bar. It's a little loud. It's a little dark. Mm -hmm. And that dark probably is to hide the dirt. Mm -hmm. There's the smell of all sorts of styles of cigarettes (laughs) in this room. And in the back, you hear what you think is a radio going. And it just sort of adds a little bit of din to the space here. There's music that sort of bounces off some of the paneled walls here. The bartender is working furiously to clean the inside of the glass and then get to the next one. Mm. I would say there's roughly no more than six to seven people in the bar right now. One of those people it seems to have gotten in a little early uh, it's a, uh, a Japanese man who uh, looks like he's had probably five or six different drinks at this point so I go to the chair one down from him mm-hmm. and I'll order something probably something pretty straightforward what's he drinking it smells like rum well two shots of vodka and a vodka martini. Hmm. The uh, bartender steps over. Vodka. Right away. 
The man that serves you is sort of this squat Eurasian fellow. His hands are a little stained, the fingers, just slightly on the outer skin. You pick it up um, that he's likely a very heavy smoker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's thin, and you can you can tell right away that he struggles probably to keep a positive attitude. He has no issue serving you the drinks that you've asked for. And uh, after he's done setting up the shots, he begins making the martini. The bartender is local. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very local. So I will take a quick scan of the room. Okay. While uh, he's making the martini. Mm -hmm. Just about six of us. Not much going on. Anybody in the corners? Yeah, so there's six to eight people, including the two of you at the bar. There are two of the corners here are filled. There's a couple in the middle. They're maybe mid-30s. Everybody here that you see anyway is a local. You don't see any Americans in here right now. Save technically you. Although given your dress and given the way you likely comport yourself, people would probably take you for somebody who's a transplant. Hmm. Why don't you give me a hard spot hidden? That's a hard. 51. So 65, 32. So not hard. So success but not hard success yeah so you have some options right so you could if you wanted to you could push the roll so the way that works is if you don't get the level of success that you need to to succeed the roll it allows you to re-roll but the difficulty therein is that pushing the roll means that if you fail there are serious consequences these are likely negative you can just totally opt to say, yeah, it's, it's fine. I didn't pass the roll. I'll, we'll pass by that scene. Or you can spend luck to get down to the number that you need. That's a lot of luck. Yep. That'd be 19 points of luck. Yeah, 19 is an awful lot of luck. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll bypass for now. Okay. The Yeah, the bar is mostly is filled with locals from as far as that you can see. Uh, the people in the corners are a little tough to make out. That is likely by design. And it's possible either they're selling local drugs or they're too drunk to want to be noticed and that they're trying to sleep it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bartender comes back over with the martini. That'll be good. Tough night. Yeah. Well, we're still waiting for the crowd to come in. Hmm. I guess I'm early to the party. Could you could you give one of those shots to that gentleman? He looks like he could really use it. He looks over at the Japanese guy who is already likely had more than a few. You sure? Oh, sure. I think we could all use a little bit of luck tonight. Hmm. Okay. He picks up the uh, one of the shot glasses and Steps over to this gentleman, and the uh, man sort of turns towards you and reaches a hand out to his glass and raises it to you. I raise back? Yeah, thank you. And he takes a big drink. I knock mine back. <laughs> Ooh, tough night? Yeah, it's uh, been a long day. You? Oh, 
Well, I seem to be early before the fun. Was hoping to meet some new friends tonight. Mm. He sort of ogles you a little bit. <laughs> Are you in town for business? Uh, maybe. You never know. <laughs> well, you're not local, that's for sure. He smiles. No, that's true. I'm from across the sea. Hmm. I'm going to guess either finance or helping one of the tourists. One of those mm. Americans that come through. Maybe the French. Oh, don't tell me you're with one of the French. No, 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 no. Oh. He shakes his hand. Nope. So, finance then? I'm in shipping. Are you? Well, that's almost the same thing. Mm. Goodness. The ports around here are quite busy. I can't imagine how there can't be money in it. Oh, there's money. Is there? There's lots of money here. I think I prefer to wear mine. Or look at it on the walls, of course. Mm. You know. If you're going to make some money, it might as well be beautiful while you're doing it. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. He looks like he's had probably that last too many. He he tries to sort of hang on a bit to the bar rail and, and butch up. So, which company do you own? Or do you? Are, are you just in town seeing overseeing your properties? <laughs> your ships? I bet you have a vast fleet. Oh, I have a few. He um, half stumbles out of the chair that he's in and moves closer. What brings you here? Well, let's just say that, as you said, fuck the French. Just France, most of Europe, such... It's either boring or pompous, and I can't stand either. America was a terrible place to be. Just... Too much, whatever. I had to come place someplace with some excitement, some color, some interest. Mm. So I found myself here, and now I am exploring everything. But mm. I don't know the sights, the sounds, the smells, the ever beauty, the culture, the sights. Oh, you know, I was just. Down. It's amazing that you're in shipping. I was just down looking at the water today, thinking, oh, wouldn't that be just gorgeous if we could just capture it? The big ships, the little ships, all the beautiful ports. He's completely transfixed by you. I'm sorry. I'm just blathering on. Forgive me. Uh, they call me, well, my friends call me Lilibet. Lilibet. I have a ship not far from here, if you would care to uh, take a tour. Really? Hmm. Yes. Well, as I toss the last of my martini back, why not lead on? He stands up, and as he does, he weaves just a little bit before he gets to you, but he sticks his arm out as a gentleman, and... uh Waits for you to take his arm. I take his arm. Oh, I knew I would find a new friend this evening. 
the two of you walk out the door and into the night of Shanghai. And that is where I'm going to call this episode to a close. And so we want to thank Heather for coming back. And we'll see Stasi in the very near future. It's wonderful to be back. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your support. Thank you. And good night.